So how did you deal with all the naysayers in your life that would say to you, Brian, this will never work. Why are you wasting your time? On and on and on. How did you deal? I'm sure you dealt with naysayers. Yeah, and I, you deal with that all the time. And I, one of the things I say is I can't do anything else. My my job's not that fulfilling. I just do it to pay the bills, and I have to do something that is and something I enjoy. And what's more interesting and what's more fulfilling to you as a person? You say, even if it does fail, for example, even if I, I don't think the museum project will fail, but even if it does, what's better? going out and exploring places and taking fascinating video and creating things that other people will enjoy or sitting at home watching someone else's product on TV for five hours a night. I feel like that's kind of a waste of life versus going out and living in the world and creating the content to me is a lot more. Well, it just seems like there's always individuals out there who will will, will critique your efforts and give you multiple reasons why it doesn't work and why it's going to fail. Mm. How, how, did, how did you deal with this? I just tell them they're wrong. <laughs> I, mean, I, <laughs> I don't really argue with them. I, well, I mean, I guess I do argue with them because I tell them they're wrong, but I don't really, I, don't, I never really cared what anyone else thought in that regard. I just, if I want to do it, I, I've always been that way. If I want to do something, I just do it. Okay. And even with simple things like trips, I had... Uh, my my sister wanted to go to. I, I was going to Cleveland, and she was going to go with me. And uh, I guess like it's a situation, some some sort of driving situation. Uh, she didn't have a vehicle or whatever, but she tried to change the plans on me the last minute. And I said, "See ya." And I went to Cleveland by myself. I if I want to do something, I just do it. I, I had a friend who was going to Toronto with me, and he found out like two days before that his passport expired. And I said, well, have fun in North Huntington. I'm going to, to Canada. I just, I just do it. If I, and, and I know that's like completely different than the museum project, but that's just how I'm wired. If I want to do something, I'll just do it. It doesn't really matter what anyone says. It won't really deter me. If I want to do it, I do it and fail or succeed. That's just how it goes. So, this, so what you're doing is you're building your own life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So quite often what we help people, uh, understand and maybe figure out on this show is that rather than think of ways that it can fail, uh, we help people refocus and say, okay, let's think of ways that it can succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great way to to look at anything. Uh, I always try to be positive, mindful of the negatives, but, you know, I try to focus on the positive, especially with other people. Now, I, you know, everybody dwells on things. I'll dwell on negatives you know, if I if I go out and do well, there's a video of of Bushy Run. It turns out it, it turned out pretty interesting, and it and it was really popular. I, I went to Bushy Run. They had their battle reenactment they do every year. It's over 250 years since the initial battle of Bushy Run, which to give a little history lesson because there's a lot of bad history being taught in our schools, unfortunately, on our local history. Bushy Run was not part of the Seven Years' War. It was part of Pontiac's War, which took place as a result of the Seven Years' War. Um, But anyways, it's out in Harrison City, and it was a really important battle that broke the siege at Fort Pitt. And I went there, and I was supposed to live stream it, and it was just like one disaster after another. We get there. I tested the live stream equipment before we had left. It was working. I get there. It decided not to work. And then... What else happened? Then the computer was dying, and I was angry for days. 
and you know and i it will always be so like i do have everybody has their things where, where they'll dwell on negatives but it did turn into this little video of clips and it, was, it wasn't shot the way i would have shot it if i had planned to shoot clips but it was really successful i mean people have shared this video all over the world people in yeah. europe all the it's like this community of reenactors have been sharing this it's been shared in france a bunch of, of times which makes sense uh, not that it was part of the French and Indian War, as I just said, but it was a direct result of that war. So people have an interest in it over uh, over in Europe and France and, and stuff like that. Obviously, in Britain, there's an interest because it was uh, a British, the British Redcoats that were mm-hmm. uh, mostly Scottish uh, were in that in Henry Bouquet's regiment at, at Bushy Run. So but, you mentioned that you were upset for days. Yes. So what we uh, what we try to help people understand here is that emotions, feelings, they're like puffs of smoke. They blow away in the wind. However, if you add your thoughts to them, it gives them great staying power and it'll stretch them out into infinity. So what we ask people is to do is say when they label and identify, describe how they feel and add some immediacy to that. Yes, I feel this way at present in this moment. Uh, so and again, you dealt with adversity. And sometimes I think in this world, Brian, we're kind of taught that uh, we shouldn't deal with any hardships. We couldn't ex- shouldn't expect any discomfort. I would suspect you dealt with much in your life. Yeah, always, because especially when you're you want everything to, to you always want. I always want to seem appear as a professional, even though I guess technically I'm an amateur because I'm not getting paid for what I'm doing, but. I always want to be treated with with the respect of a professional. So when things don't go wrong, you know, it's embarrassing, and I get really angry ab- about that. Now, I mean, it's from an outsider's perspective, it's reasonable to think that somebody who's you know working overnight and is just kind of like coming there on no sleep with like equipment that they you know just purchased on their own to make mistakes. But for me, that's like not that's an excuse. So I, I get really upset when things don't go the right way, but. I don't think that that's a bad thing. Everyone acts like, you know, oh, you should just like, you know, don't worry, things happen. It's like, no, things don't happen. It, you messed up. Something You could have done something to prevent this disaster, and you should be upset. You should be angry. And then, but, you know, you, not that you should be defeated, but you, sh- you could use that anger to make sure it doesn't happen again. Okay, you're angry. What can I do next time to make sure it doesn't go that way? But it doesn't mean that you should let yourself off the hook. You shouldn't maybe hold yourself captive as long as I do, because I'll be angry at myself for, for quite a while over something that somebody else would just brush off. But I do think that you do deserve to be a little upset with yourself because well, of course. you're never going to improve otherwise. Well, just... we, always want to, we always want to help people understand that they need to take responsibility for their actions. Mm. Okay, And in the 12-step world, we say that our problems are of our own making. Uh, but by, however, what we're talking about is saying rather beat ourselves up, we can be angry, and that's good. Angry has a lot of a- energy, mm-hmm. and we can either turn that angry inward or we can turn that anger and that energy into determination. Well, I screwed up. How can I not screw up next time? Yeah. And it's, okay to, it's okay to beat yourself up a little bit. So the River's Edge... Uh, morphed into this um, type of atmosphere with uh, many, many local music, uh, promoted a lot of really good people. And uh, you had uh, quite a few podcasts on there, quite a few uh, uh, people, quite a few individuals, personalities. Well, actually, this museum project, PGH Museums, was a result of one of those podcasts. Uh, I actually was not a a huge museum goer. I was always interested. I always loved when I would go to a museum, but 
my family just did, didn't go to museums when we were kids that often. They, it just wasn't my parents' thing. We And I'm not complaining. I went to the beach a lot, and I really love the beach. So it's not a complaint against them. But it is something that I didn't experience as much when I was younger. But my friend uh, Randy, who is one of the organizers of PGH Museums, he was a museum enthusiast. And he had been to so many museums in the area. And he and I started going to museums. And as my time became more and more limited it was harder to schedule that so we decided to start a podcast to make sure it was a priority and uh, it was called the culture cruise and it was a museum that we recorded while we were driving and we would drive to the museum and talk about where we were going and then on our way back we would talk about our experiences Mm -hmm. at that museum and the humor came in because I'm a pretty aggressive driver, <laughs> and when I'm not driving, Randy's a lot more passive than I am, so I would start yelling at Randy for not being aggressive. And now, typically, I'm not that bad of a backseat driver, but it is more entertaining on the. It's not entertaining on the podcast if I don't say something. <laughs> so, um, so you know, whatever's would go on in the back of my mind on a typical day was uh, was on the tip of my tongue during the podcast, but eventually, it never got the promotion it deserved. So it wasn't that well listened to because I was too busy doing other things. And then Randy's schedule got complicated. So when I decided to get some, take some more time back for myself and kind of go in a different direction uh, personally and, and come up with some new content options uh, and opportunities, we decided to explore bringing that podcast back. And here, with all of the work we've done, the podcast is the thing that's uh, dragging now because we're going <laughs> to release it next fall because we just have so much uh, going on with the whole project. So while you were at the river's edge, the seed was planted for it was. perhaps this type of uh, venture. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, as with most things in the fullness of time, um, perhaps uh, we move on with our lives and the seed was planted to have this type of uh, museum effort. So how, tell us about the fruitation of that. How did this thing bloom? Yeah, so it started with us deciding to bring back the the Culture Cruise podcast. And one thing that we wanted to do with the Culture Cruise was we we were going to go to big museums, but also we really wanted to go to these smaller museums that no one has ever heard of. Um, One I always mention is, because it's a museum that I really love that I think is fascinating, is the Baronhof Museum in Aspenwall, which no one's ever heard of. It's a museum of mechanical musical instruments in this big mansion that has secret passages all throughout the house and a pool room and a, a cave, like a cave and a boardroom you can only access through secret passages. It's a really neat building. No one's ever heard of it. It's one of the coolest places in the region. And the name of that place again the is? The Baronhof. It stands for Bavarian House. And it's just a really cool place. So we were thinking, how do we market this podcast? How do we get people to listen to it? And one one thing that I've always heard over the years is, is there a list of museums in Pittsburgh? And the short answer is no, there's not. So we decided, why don't we create that list? And then why don't we create a community that will listen to our podcast? So instead of creating a podcast, throwing it out into the internet and saying, please listen, and, and going through all of the really boring ways to promote a podcast. I mean, promoting a podcast isn't really that fun going through the the standard ways. Do you enjoy learning the hashtags and going out and trying. I mean, it, it's kind of, it all seems kind of, it can be a chore. Yeah. It's, it's really not, but, but building a directory that people can use and creating a culture of museum enthusiasts, that's fun. 
that's something that that's fun to do. So we've come up with a directory on the website, and we uh, so the website is three parts. There's the directory, there is the the blog, and then there is the membership program, well, the blog and in the media in general. So the directory is we've basically gone through our volunteers and we've researched uh, as many historic places, museums, and galleries that we can find uh, throughout southwestern Pennsylvania. And right now we have a directory of more than 400 listings in the region. So you went to this Baronhof, and I'm glad you turned us on to that, and I hope everyone out there within the vicinity of Pittsburgh could perhaps visit that. Quite often we say, hey, this is a really neat place. Someone should uh, someone should really write about this. Well, you're that someone. I am, yeah. So we are going to be doing all sorts of content with this. So that's where the media side goes in. So we've got the directory, and it also has an interactive map, which is cool. So you can actually see where these places are on a map. Uh, but then we have the the blog, and the blog, everything will come to the blog. And uh, we'll have all different types of media on there. So we'll have actual blog posts that are original. But then we'll also be posting the press releases from all of these different museums. So any museum that decides to add us to their press listing, we'll actually post their press releases right on the website. So it'll be a one-stop location where people could see all of this information. So you had an idea, okay? And... How do you? How did you do this step by step? How did how did that happen? Uh, people have a goal, but generally they want to get from step the idea to the top of the pyramid. Okay? Yeah. So what we try to help people to do is say, okay, there's steps that we need to take. What were some of the steps that you took? The first thing I did is I hired uh, Joseph Cardonis to build my logo because I feel like no one will take you seriously without a good logo. Um, that's something I've always believed. I just feel it sets. Um, it's, I'm a big believer in branding and imaging, and I feel like if you don't have that down, you're not going to get anywhere. If you're sending someone a press release and you've got some logo that you designed yourself in Microsoft Paint, it's not going to impress anybody, So, and they're not going to take you seriously. So that was the first thing I did. And the second thing I, th- I thought to myself, I said, you know what, like, what, I thought, what kind of super, what, what good is a superhero without a sidekick? Right, so I thought, who do, who can I get to build my website? I thought, well, who better than Sidekick Media Services, and they really were the sidekick to my my superhero project in building the website for PGHMuseums.org. So they've done all of the the work with that. Missy Sidekick, could you, sidekick could you say a little services. more about Sidekick? Yeah, Sidekick Media Services. They do everything from live streaming, video podcasting production. They do web design, social media outreach. Uh, they do a fantastic job. So, and they're affiliated with Sorgatron Media, which uh, is where we are at right For now. For those of you out there, this is a shameless plug. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> so, uh, but seriously, I did hire them. That was the second thing I did was uh, hire them and, and get the ball rolling with that. And then I, you know, kept reaching out to different people and bringing in volunteers who were interested in this project. And I was really, really happy one day when I had this message that came across my screen. And it was somebody who said, I'd really like to help with this museum project. I love what you're doing. And uh, my name's Amanda Narcisi, and I run one of the biggest, best blogs in Pittsburgh. Ah. So that was awesome to get someone with her kind of qualifications and skills involved in the project. And we just have some really, really great people working on this project. And I think it'll show whenever we launch. The Everything was – we wanted to send an image, like I said, branding. So with the website – you know, I was I, I kind of let 
Missy run with it because I trust her judgment uh, with Sidekick Media Services. But I kind of gave some direction where I was like, I wanted to kind of, I, I gave her the impossible task of saying, I want it to look really, really modern, but also old fashioned. <laughs> so <laughs> she uh, makes it, it looks really modern, but it uses certain color schemes and font text that it looks modern and fresh, but it also has this feel to it that, that you can tell it's for museums and things so like that. So you, you had an idea, you took some action and effort, and understand that this needed a face. It needed something to represent it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and I, you know, oh, that was another thing I did is I grabbed all of the same social media handles because I, again, I think everything consistency and branding, to me, that matters almost as much as the content because your content can be fantastic, but if your website looks like it was designed by, you know, in GeoCities back in the 90s, then no one's going to stick around to read the content. That's one of the reasons that logos are so important because it has to – the message that you have, I'm sure, has depth and weight, but we need to get somebody into the message. And the first thing that something is something that grabs your attention. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I love the logo that uh, that Joe Gordonis uh, put together. It is inspired by the Carnegie Museum of Natural History, but it is not specifically that building. But it, that, that building screams museum. And somebody said, oh, but museums are so diverse. Do you really want it uh, to represent that type of like older style museum? And I said, yes, because that's what people think of when they think museum. They're going to come in to see that, and then they're going to learn about all these other uh, museums in the region. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com where you can listen to the show, comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.